It's pretty easy to hit the repeat button as we approach and go through our fall cow work, from preconditioning to weaning to preg checking. Now, some of you may have to reevaluate due to drought, while others can do what's been traditionally done. But the question is, is what you're doing leaving you at a net positive or a net negative financially when the dust settles, for example, on your calves? Do we recoup that additional cost through improved price at the sale barn? Mm-hmm. I think that's something we all need to think about. Now, how about your cows? Cold cow marketing is probably a number one of those that I think we just don't put enough time and effort into marketing those. Dr. Steve Paisley with the University of Wyoming is my guest today as we talk about what you can do to make the most of your fall cow work this year on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome you back here again to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you joining us. And I say welcome back to those of you that are familiar with the show. We appreciate you joining us as you have in the past and hope you enjoy this week's show. Now, if this is your first time catching the Working Ranch Radio Show, I want to welcome you in and hope you uh, enjoy our program here today. We're going to talk more about that in just a few moments. Now, of course, there's a couple ways you can listen. As you know, uh, those that are listening on the radio, well, you got that figured out. And for those that have downloaded it via podcast, well, you've got that figured out. So those are the two ways. And uh, of course, the podcast site that's out there, you can go there and not only can you listen to this week's show again, but you can also go back and listen to previous shows that we've had. And we've had some great shows on the Working Ranch Radio Show this past summer. Now, one of the things that I do try to do, occasionally it doesn't always work this way, but I do try to bring up uh, and have topics on our show that I believe have some shelf life that you can go back and you can listen to it six months, a year, two years down the road, and there's going to be some relevance to it. And I think today's program kind of fits that slot as well. Dr. Steve Paisley is going to be my guest. He's with the University of Wyoming. He runs the research station out of Lingle, Wyoming. Now, I've had him on the show before as he used to be the uh, beef extension specialist for the University of Wyoming. And so we've had him on the show. Today, though, we're going to be talking about just getting the most out of your fall work as we take this time. I know for some of you, you've probably already preconditioned calves. Maybe some of you've already weaned, especially those in drier conditions. You're short on feed and you've had to do some things a little bit different, but we're going to just talk about this. And even though for some of you, maybe we're past some of that, some of this activity for you already, it's still something you can stick in the back of your head and think, now next year, maybe we need to reevaluate some things. And that's really the purpose of this show is looking at our fall work. Are we getting the most out of it? Is what we are doing putting money back in our pocket at the end of the day or is it taking money out because really it it needs to be putting money in our pocket and so i think that's really the essence of what we are getting at here today so i hope you join us for our programs again today dr steve paisley is my guest as we talk about this subject of fall work with our cattle of course towards the end of the program meteorologist don day will be joining us as we not only take a look at our long-term weather but he's going to tell us what is the purpose of hurricanes well you'll hear the answer to that question when he joins us later on in the show right now i would like to thank the 
sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show, Gelvy and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to gelvy.org. And Zoetis, visit inheritprogress.com to request a call with a rep and ask about free TSUs to get you started. That is subject to availability. Also, speaking of Zoetis, you know, it is the little things that can derail progress, but your herd can be covered. Visit getlessparasites.com for solutions from Zoetis. Also, the American Akaushi Association. Experience the difference at akaushi.com. And Biozyme, it's weaning time. Yes, it is. We're going to be talking about it today. So, for protection and recovery, think VitaCharge by Biozyme. For more information, visit vitafirm.com forward slash Vita dash charge. Well, it's time now to check in with the captain, Tim O'Byrne. He is the publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin, this Tim's Two Cents is more of a shout out to all those amazing ranch moms and grandmothers and daughters and nieces and nephews and brothers and uncles and dads, everybody that contributed to every single amazing ranch branding meal or in the field, uh, harvest time, haying and silaging, dinner, lunch, breakfast, early breakfast in cow camp, anybody that contributed to those amazing meals. And we know, oh, I can smell them right now. So many good breakfasts and so many good dinners. And you know, hard work and great food go together so well. We are so blessed in this country to have access to amazing food and great folks to uh, prepare it for us. That's my shout out. I can almost smell the biscuits. I can smell the bacon, the barbecued beef and the buns and the scalloped potatoes in the corn. I can't wait. I got to go. I'm going to have to make myself a hamburger. So thanks a lot, folks. This is Tim's Two Cents. Back to you, Justin, in the booth. All right, Captain. Well, now that you've got everybody's mouth watering a little bit, you know, I guess it brought up some memories as you were talking about that because my mom uh, always did a great job of putting together, uh, you know, amazing food for the crews when they came and helped. And one of the things that I remember always made her uh, pretty popular with all the with everybody when they came was she made long johns. And I don't know if that terminology is the same for everyone, but it was of course a donut with with a maple frosting on it and then cinnamon rolls, and that was just one of the things that uh, when they came to the mills is that was that was something that my mom always did and and people always remembered that so some great memories with that was you were talking about that as well well folks we're going to get into our featured interview here in a little bit uh, as we talk about these activities for fall such as preconditioning weaning or preg checking these activities that bring us all together uh, we're going to talk more about these and are we getting the most out of them that's going to be the focus of our conversation today when we're joined by dr steve paisley when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. How do you decide which heifers to select or sell? Visual inspection alone leaves a lot to chance. Back your hunch with Inherit Select from Zoetis. It's a genetic test designed for commercial replacement heifers. You gain valuable predictions, including cow fertility, size and soundness, feed efficiency, growth and carcass merit, as well as easy-to-use economic indexes. This improves your selection, breeding, and marketing decisions. Request a call from InheritProgress.com and ask about free TSUs to get you started. 
It's weaning time, one of the biggest days of the year for you and the most stressful for your calves. Ensure a smooth transition with the VitaCharge Weaning Program. This two-step program with the AmaFirm Advantage gives calves the nutritional boost they need to get through the first weeks of weaning, accelerate appetite, increase weight gain, and improve health. It's weaning time. Get them ready with VitaCharge. For more information, visit VitaFirm.com forward slash Vita dash charge. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills with you as we head into our featured interview today. And uh, we are going to be talking about something that is timely to this time of the year for a lot of folks that uh, that uh, ship and wean calves here in the fall of the year or market their calves in the fall of the year. We are approaching that time for some that uh, maybe you've already done it and some of you probably haven't. And that's preconditioning. And then maybe looking down the road at whether or not you want to choose to wean or not. We're going to be talking all about that here today. Joining us as my guest. He's been on our show before, Dr. Steve Paisley. He's uh, uh, with University of Wyoming, director of the research station there out of Lingle, Wyoming. Uh, also, he is the state BQA coordinator as well. So we're going to have some some dialogue here today, I'm sure, that relates to both of those. But uh, Dr. Paisley, first of all, I want to thank you for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. You bet. Thank you for the opportunity and uh, looking forward to it. Well, so uh, when we get to this time of the year, as you and I were talking before we, we went on air here, we were talking about, uh, you know, this, what we do with, with our cattle this time of the year, looking at preconditioning. And, and I know there's some folks that maybe, maybe they don't, they don't precondition their calves and they, and they take them right from the cow and they market them. And, and there's, I'm sure if there's a pencil you can put to that, maybe it works for some, maybe it doesn't. But today we are going to be talking about if for those that choose to precondition, it was just some of the things they need to do with that. And, and I think really, as I was thinking of some questions ahead of time, uh, Dr. Paisley, I think one of the things we have to really start to do is there, there's a couple things is look at, A, when do we want to market our calves? And then back up from there, in addition to when are we putting bulls out? And I think based upon those, we can start to set some times or some dates of when's a really optimal time to be preconditioning. I think that's exactly right. We uh, need to do the calendar math and, and try and plan some of those things. Many years like this year for everyone, the weather kind of dictates when we do things, forage production, uh, you know, how much grass is in the pastures. A lot of those things dictate when we do things, but, you know, do some planning ahead of time, I think can really think, make things go more smoothly. And uh, for example, I've had several calls this fall already everybody kind of rethinking their schedule and we probably like you said we need to decide when we're going to market based on uh, the amount of grass we still have left based on when we can get help all of those types of things and backtrack and try and make sure if we are going to precondition we maybe should define what preconditioning is a little bit but when we're going to give those initial vaccines and make sure we do that in a timely manner so uh, we get the full benefit from that preconditioning and we don't uh, create more trouble for ourselves mm-hmm. later on. You bet. Well, and as we were talking beforehand, uh, one of the key elements in this whole concept of fall work with our cattle is really, you know, what can we do to elim- reduce the amount of stress in these cattle? We know that stress is one of the biggest reasons that causes sickness, death, loss in our cattle. And so uh, from that standpoint, we look at, you know, what are ways that we can reduce that stress? And so from your mindset, as you look at preconditioning, what are 
some of those ways. I know this is where the BQA stuff might kind of come into this conversation as well. But from your perspective, what are some of the ways that we can reduce stress in these cattle during preconditioning? I think ways we can address that is, first of all, maybe when we can gather those cattle, hopefully we can do, we can pick times that are relatively cool. Hopefully we can do it early in the morning. Uh, try and isolate that into time periods where we can reduce heat stress on the cattle. Uh, maybe even we do, uh, we don't do it all in one day. Maybe we can move them closer to our working facilities one morning and pick another morning to move them a little bit further. Maybe we can uh, divide up some of the activities we need to, or, or management we need to do with those cattle and just try and, and uh, give those cattle enough time to rest and recover as we do it. I know uh, we preconditioned it at home. We preconditioned and vaccinated heifers, and uh, we were we had our first calf heifers in. We're trying to preg test those. Well, by the time we get everything done, it's three or four o'clock in the afternoon, and and uh, every the cattle are tired. We're tired. We're grumpy. Um, you know, trying to manage that and and schedule some of these things so we can reduce the amount of stress just from a time management standpoint. Uh, other things to address too, while you're at it is, mm-hmm. you know, how we handle those cattle and, and uh, can we work them quietly? Can we work them slowly? Just some of the basic fundamentals. Uh, a lot of times we, we look at the, our watch or we look at the, the temperature and, and we're, we're trying to speed up and we try to do things more quickly. And, and that ends up just uh, hurting us uh, later on. So, you know, work cattle slowly, uh, kind of understanding the basic, fundamentals or concepts of, of uh, pressure and release, uh, getting cattle to respond to what you want them to do. And uh, all of those types of things, I think, can reduce stress. And that's beneficial all the way through. Uh, not only do you end up producing calmer cattle, but I think you reduce the stress and you improve the vaccine response mm-hmm. to those cattle once you do get that vaccine in them and, and go through the preconditioning process. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something just a bit ago, and maybe I jumped ahead into some other conversation here first, but it says maybe, you know, defining what preconditioning is. Uh, that that could be different for different folks. So maybe let's back up a little bit and let's let's put some definition to preconditioning. Yeah, in a lot of cases, we've we've had to define what preconditioning is through some of the marketing avenues we have for our cattle. So if you market your cattle on a video or you work through some of the uh, organized programs that are out there, preconditioning can mean a VAC 45 program where we have a specific set of vaccines that we need to give to those cattle, uh, which includes a 45-day dry lot period or 45 day weaning period before those are cattle are marketed. So the traditional back 45 type of a program is that, um, Mm -hmm. I don't, that doesn't necessarily, I mean, if you market your cattle based on that and, and you've got them listed based on that type of a program, you know, it's important to follow those protocols, uh, make sure it's documented uh, so that you can remain in compliance uh, with those marketing programs. But there are other options and alternatives out there. If, if you're like many of us this year and we've got a limited amount of uh, meadow hay or a limited amount of uh, grass down around our receiving pins, uh, we're probably not looking at a traditional dry lot receiving program or traditional dry lot weaning program. Getting some type of vaccination or preconditioning into those cattle, preferably three to four weeks prior to weaning, is just critical. Mm-hmm. And so if you can manage that, if you can get cattle in prior 
uh, preferably three weeks prior to weaning and get your first round of vaccines in those cattle, I think it's beneficial all the way around. I would I would encourage, you know, regardless of how you choose to, to market those cattle, um, documenting, you know, what products you used, uh, the timing of when you gave those shots, even if you're going to sell those cattle uh, through the local livestock auction, uh, I think providing that information is important to those buyers. Uh, I think that that means something to all of them. And I think not only documenting, writing it down, keeping track of what you did, but also communicating that to the buyers is a really important step. Mm-hmm. And we do see whether you're selling at the sale barn or whether you're selling across uh, off the ranch through video sales or so forth, those outlets being uh, a lot. I mean, they're definitely more proactive in their in their efforts to try to get that information from us. But sometimes, you know, it's it's probably one of the simplest things that we can do is just write on that piece of paper. Here's when we gave branding shots. Here's when we did preconditioning shots. And it's something that really it's one of the simplest things to do that some folks just aren't doing. That's right. And I think it's really important. We receive cattle here at our research station outside of Lingle. Uh, we currently brought in uh, 120 bulls to go through our, our feed efficiency testing. So these are weaned calves um, and we received them just because of the situation that everybody's facing uh, dry conditions, limited amount of forage. Uh, we received a set of bulls that had only been weaned two weeks and uh um, that's kind of a tough time to receive cattle. And I, so I think buyers are aware of that mm-hmm. as well. Um, if you can kind of control that timing, making sure you've got at least three weeks on that uh, preconditioning shot before those cattle are marketed, I think you're beneficial to it. So if you, uh, that's, that's a critical information that those buyers would like to know. Mm-hmm. When we bring these cattle in and we do the preconditioning, what are some other things that we could be doing to take advantage of that time of we've got those cattle in the corral? Is there other things we could be doing at that time? Not maybe just with our calves, but with our, but with our cows as well. I think there definitely is. Um, certainly, we can be sorting those calves. Maybe we've got the ability to, to sort our herd into steers and heifers to at least get it part of that initial sort out of the way before we wean calves. If you think about shrink and how we market our cattle and depending on how you market those animals, the less we handle those cattle, uh, the more quietly we handle those cattle, the less shrink we get on those cattle, the less amount of stress. And so anything we can do ahead of time to reduce stress at the time of weaning, I think is, is really important. So if we can sort steers and heifers and pair those off, in that manner, I think that's a that's something to consider. Another option that that might be of interest to some people is, um, you know, we could we could preg test at preconditioning, whether it's uh, with the veterinarian or maybe you choose to do a blood test on those cattle. Uh, getting that information and having that information handy for when you do wean uh, will reduce the amount of work that you do the day of weaning. Uh, maybe we'll just allow you to sort those cattle at the day of weaning rather than preg testing and everything else. Um, those are all options to think about. Um, and any additional work maybe that you need to do to those cows uh, prior to weaning is, is beneficial. So I think, you know, planning ahead, as we mentioned before, whether it's uh, choosing your vaccine, and maybe even if we step back before that, you know, um, if, we, if we have some idea when we're going to wean those calves, uh, thinking about your mineral program, uh, maybe 60 to 90 days prior to weaning and addressing some of those types of things 
as early as that can help and improve response to vaccination, improve your overall herd health, uh, reduce your amount of sickness. All of those things can be factors, and that's all information that you can communicate once you do decide to market those cattle. You bet. Dr. Steve Paisley is my guest today as we are talking just this fall time of year and what we do with our cattle as ranchers. Uh, it's pretty common for a lot of folks. And uh, we're, we were talking quite a bit about preconditioning. When we come back, we're going to talk more about weaning side of things and some of the things that we can do there. Again, it's getting back to uh, at the end of the day, how do we re- reduce the stress in these cattle and, and make them so they're when they go on to the next spot, they're healthy for whether it's the buyer, the feedlot, the uh, winter wheat uh, grass field that they're going to go to whatever that may be and we want that to be a good uh, situation for them when they move on to that next step we're going to be talking about all that when we return on the working ranch radio show at the american akaushi association we're more than prime the american akaushi association was created to help ranchers be more profitable and find opportunities when using akaushi genetics in their herd We focus on market opportunities for our members and offer support from conception to consumer. When you choose Akaushi, you have a network right there with you. Experience the difference at Akaushi.com. That's A-K-A-U-S-H-I dot com. Control comes when you focus on the little things, from daily chores to parasite management, because any little thing could derail progress. But your herd can be covered. Visit GetLessParasites.com for solutions from Zoetis. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Dr. Steve Paisley. He is the director of the research station for the University of Wyoming in Lingle, Wyoming. Uh, we've had him on our show before. Previously, he was the state beef extension specialist. And so, Dr. Paisley, again, thanks for joining us. We were talking in the previous section about uh, preconditioning and just some of the elements that go into that and, and how we can uh, be productive in that time that we do with preconditioning. Let's move on to weaning. And I know this is going to be a subject that um, we're going to have a lot of maybe some different answers or maybe different directions that people do. Because, for example, where you're at in southern Wyoming, and we can even move as far south as down into Texas, you guys were dry this year and last year we were dry so we did something different that we hadn't done in the past and so when we get into weaning there really is i think there has to be a precursor to that that says you know what have been the situations that we're dealing with this year that's going to be one of the issues don't you think i think that's exactly right along those lines is we think about uh what forage we have available whether we can we can precondition how we want to wean those calves the other thing is we think about how much variability we've had in precipitation and how that impacts forage quality. So even if yeah. we are producing some amount of forage out there, just the vast uh, variability in forage quality, and it, it, that has a big influence on our weaning success. And and so, you know, back along this the whole idea of doing our homework ahead of time, any type of forage analysis and, and kind of planning ahead and, and knowing what we're feeding to those calves is pretty important. Uh, but uh, back to your point, though, I think along the lines of, of weaning, I think there are a lot of different options. Uh, in many cases, even if we aren't able to uh, wean and dry lot the entire herd, many of us are probably going to end up weaning a portion of it, whether it's mm-hmm. our replacement heifers, those that we keep back to to uh, replace the herd, some of those types of things. So I think there are um, avenues or other things to investigate as far as what are some ways to 
manage the current situation and, and still have an effective weaning program. Mm-hmm. I feel for one for my operation here that weaning is something that we, we, we probably traditionally didn't always do that on this ranching operation. Uh, several years ago, I started weaning. And it, where I'm at today, if you if you were asking me what I would think about weaning, I would say it is a, a practice that we really need to financially understand as producers before we go down that road as you were talking just a little bit ago about knowing you know what the value of that feed quality is really knowing what's it what are we going to have into this and what are we going to get out of it at the end of the day to whether or not we just whether we take that next step into weaning that's right and i've for many years i've i keep a spreadsheet and i estimate what those preconditioning costs are and our weaning costs and do we receive that or do we recoup that additional cost through improved price at the sale barn? Mm-hmm. I think that's something we all need to think about. I look at it every year. And in years like this, where we, if we were to feed cattle in dry lot and we basically will have to purchase hay and, and at least in southeastern Wyoming, uh, it's not cheap right yeah. now. Yeah. We got to go in and buy hay to feed to those weaned calves. I think that's something to look at. What does that weaning program cost? And how do you want to manage that? Because uh, the, the benefits of preconditioning are huge. I'm, I don't want to argue the fact sure. that uh, you know, looking at those management programs are certainly important. But are you recouping that as far as sale price of those calves, however you choose to market them? Mm-hmm. I feel sometimes that's a tough that's a tough question. You know, it's and mentally or or psychologically, you know, we, we want to have a heavy calf. You know, that's in our minds. You know, we want that weight and we think that that's that's we think weight is king and not always is that the deal. Let's get it weaning here now a little bit and some of the practices involved in that. And it, it, probably in the last 15, 20 years, we've definitely heard more of the concept of the of fence line type weaning versus getting away from the traditional lock the calves in the corral uh, sort of a deal. So let's get into some of that uh, from your standpoint, especially as BQA coordinator for the state of Wyoming. I'm sure there's some some practices that really do benefit keeping the stress down in these calves? Definitely there are. Um, I think many operations have looked at that as an opportunity to reduce stress. And if you can wean those calves on um, pasture, you're reducing your feed costs, you're reducing your overall input cost on that uh, weaning program as well. So there are economic benefits as well as health benefits to looking at a fence line weaning program does take a little bit of additional management and uh, there's always a few that get through the fence Uh, personally our our experience has been it's not so much the calves getting back in with the cows but it's cows getting in with the calves in most cases so looking in the management of that the other thing that comes up quite often is the two-stage weaning process or the uh, the nose clip yeah. Uh, program that can be an option as well. Uh, I visited operations in Argentina and uh, other South American countries uh, that use a two-stage weaning program almost exclusively, where you put the nose clip in the calf, you leave the calf with the cow, so you uh, you get the cow to dry off first over a two-week period, and then once that's accomplished, then you remove the uh, you do the whatever you say psychological weaning uh, by removing the pair or separating the pair at the second stage. Both of those, I think, they're both good programs. I think they both reduce a, the overall immediate stress. Uh, all ways to reduce stress, which will improve not only your immune response but reduce sickness. 
anything we can do along those lines. Other things to think about too, are many times we wean and we do every single practice we can think of to do with that calf at that time. So we're running it through, maybe uh, we're banding some calves, maybe we've got to dehorn some calves, maybe we're we're branding a few at that time as well. And boy, and when we stack on all of those yeah. stressors, one on top of the other, uh, you know, we, we're asking for probably some difficulty later on down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which that gets back to the timing of this that we had talked about when it comes to preconditioning is we really, again, with weaning, there needs to be some timing that we think about with when do we plan to market these calves and we back that calendar up and so forth. And as you talked about <laughs> the multiple practices that we try to stack on, I think everybody's probably done that, not on intentions, but like, well, shoot, we got them in the crowd. We better take care of this right now. Uh, w- w- as we, as we prep these calves before they're weaned, what are some things we can do while they're on the cow? I think uh, certainly we talked about it a little bit earlier, but address uh, that mineral program as early as midsummer. It's not in the front of your mind. A lot of times we're kind of catching a sigh of relief and we're like, oh, we've got them off the, off the home place. We've got them up on summer pasture. But addressing those mineral things, I think, are important to think about, again, ahead of time, thinking about uh, whatever forage you do have on hand, sampling that and getting an idea of the quality that you have on hand. Um, And then as far as if you do bring in help or you work with a group of people as far as weaning those calves, you know, talking things through a little bit ahead of time, uh, that's what I run into as BQA coordinator is a lot of times we'll do some meetings this time of year just as a way to introduce new employees to uh, BQA practices, low stress practice, animal handling practices. And it's a good conversation starter to talk about how we do things, maybe how we try not to do things. All of that can have an impact uh, on your weaning success. Mm-hmm. You bet. And definitely, I, I think you brought up a good point there in in that you do have help. Usually in these situations where we're preconditioning and or we're weaning later on down the road, having help that understands that everybody's on the same page with how we're moving cattle through these corrals, why we're doing this, why we're doing that. That's probably a pretty important thing. It is. And, you know, selecting for temperament is is key to that not only for for employee safety but uh, also for animal response to a vaccine Uh, there's a lot of good data that would suggest an animal that is high strung or an animal that is has a lot of tension or a lot of stress uh, doesn't respond well to vaccine Uh, it probably tests your working facilities as well as the quickness of your employees, all of those things. So if we can start some selection process along those lines, I think there's benefit to that as well. You bet. Dr. Steve Paisley is my guest today. We're talking just some of the fall work that we do out here uh, on the ranches with our cattle. In the first segment, we were talking about preconditioning. We were just talking about weaning a little bit ago. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to continue. We've got more to talk about on this. Uh, when we come, when it gets into fall work, what can we do to make the most of our time uh, It's not something where we want to be working these cows every week. And so how do we make the most of it? We're going to talk more about it when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. It's a competitive calf market, and buyers want calves that will perform, period. And a proven solution is Simmental. In fact, data from the Tri-County Steer Carcass Fertility from 2002 through 2018 on nearly 60,000 head of calves revealed that Simmental sired calves represented the highest carcass-valued sire group over English and other continental breed groups. 
And the sire group that was the second highest carcass value was Simangus sire. So, the proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Dr. Steve Paisley. He's the director of the research station at Lingle, Wyoming for the University of Wyoming. And we have been talking fall work with our with our livestock. Of course, uh, preconditioning falls into that. Weaning, and again, that's a situation that's going to be really determined whether or not, A, you have the feed on hand, or A, I should say, number one, does it financially make sense for you to do it? And then down the road, as far as do you have the feed availability? and those kinds of things that we were talking about. Um, Dr. Paisley, before we get into some of the other conversations we're going to have here, let's touch one more thing on weaning. And I think that would be the element. If you are going to wean, you need to to really make it worth your time and effort. Uh, there needs to be a time frame that you really look at that. And I know last week we had Clint Berry on with Superior Livestock as he was talking about the benefits that he's seeing in the marketplace for these calves that are VAC 45 and, and weaned and and, and and he said one of the worst things is is to wean calves, but not for the full 45 days. That last 15 days could be really where the profit's at. That's exactly right. If you look at uh, K-State data, looking at the weight changes that calves go through during weaning. And so if we think about, certainly we, we talked about the health aspect of timing of weaning versus when you market those calves. We think about giving that vaccine Typically, that calf will respond to that initial vaccine within a, about a two-week period. Well, if you think about from a weight gain standpoint, if we wean those calves, we're obviously uh, going through that balling period that first two weeks. Those calves are probably losing weight. So uh, thinking about when we wean and how we time the marketing of those calves, that's exactly right. If, if we're going to sell those calves as weaned calves, we need to at least recoup some of that weight loss due to weaning. And, uh, and so, you know, thinking about that, if, if we try and sell those calves at three weeks after weaning, uh, we're probably, from a cost standpoint, not only do we have the expense of the vaccine and the feed associated with weaning those calves, but a weight loss is a, an additional expense that we're looking at there. Give them a chance to recover and rebound uh, from that weaning and from that stress and, and regain some weight and try and recoup some of that uh, through weight gain. I think that's an important aspect. And as you mentioned, the VAC 45 program kind of takes that into account. But buyers also know that hopefully by 45 days, those calves are straightened out. Mm -hmm. I've just worked with a couple of ranches that were facing the feed shortages that we've just been talking about. And and they were looking at their feed savings by preconditioning calves and then trying to wean them a week to two weeks after that preconditioning shot. And I'm like, boy, that's that's probably a recipe for uh, a pretty tough weaning period. So thinking about all of that timing, whether you choose to dry lot them or not, um, timing is everything. Mm-hmm. And so try and take some of that into account as you develop a plan for weaning. You bet. All right, let's get into some of the cow work. We've been talking primarily about calves uh, with preconditioning and weaning. Let's talk about cows and, and the work that we do there. Of course, it is the time of the year uh, where we, we have that opportunity to, you know, 
get them uh, preg checked if we want to do that. That's usually highly advised for the sake of, especially if you're in a situation where so much of the southern part of the country has been extremely dry. The last thing you want to do is to winter a cow without a calf. Uh, when it comes to fall work with our cattle, uh, from your perspective, what are some of the focuses we need to be looking at? I certainly think that preg testing those cows is, is important, even if, and I guess think a little bit about marketing those cows as well. A lot of times, as you mentioned, we want to get those cattle, if, for those cows that are open that, that are not going to be productive for us, we want to get them off the ranch if at all possible. But if you look at historical uh, marketing prices for uh, open cows or, or cull cows, they're at their seasonal low in October and November. Um, so maybe consider um, custom feeding or dry lotting those cows elsewhere just to uh, avoid that seasonal low as well as putting some weight weight on those cows prior to marketing them. So mm-hmm. if we can put them in a dry lot uh, and try and market those cows, uh, it's price rebounds pretty dramatically in January and February. If we can put a little weight back onto those cows, uh, they tend to be pretty efficient as they regain that condition that's lost uh, over the summer months. Um, look at ways to manage that open cow and maybe get some marketing opportunities with those cows as well. Something to consider. Yeah, uh, It's also a time to think about um, maybe select or sort if we are facing a year with limited forage resources or high priced hay, you know, making some culling decisions on that herd, whether it's uh, soundness, dentition, uh, age of those cows, temperament. We've even gone as far to look at uh, weaning weight of those calves and, and comparing it to mature weight of the cow and and kind of using a percentage to determine what cows we want to get rid of as well. Mm-hmm. As you were talking about the, a little bit ago, the marketing time frame for these cull cows is seasonally at its lowest around that October, November timeline. Um, one of the things, and this is tough to do, and I'm going to say this, that I'm not good about doing this, is that would probably be a little bit more proactive from a ranch management standpoint would be that when we when we have cows that are dry in the spring that we get rid of them then and there's probably a better chance they're going to hit a better market that's exactly right Uh, i think there's a lot of opportunities you look at the spring uh, even this spring was a pretty good example of that as well i i think look just i think we do as you've probably talked about it a lot justin and on this program that a lot of times there's so many management considerations for for every operation i think a lot of times uh, marketing is on the back burner for us and cold cow marketing is probably a number one of those that i think we just don't put enough time and effort into marketing those and if you think about it there are probably 15 to 20 percent of our receipts from a cow herd so they they are worth some consideration when we think about how we market those cows and trying to add value to those cows prior to marketing them is pretty important yeah and i and i say that with 100 percent guilt that i've that I'm, i've been bad about doing that so uh, a bit ago you talked a little bit about so from the preg checking side of things about doing that either with a vet or the or the blood tests that are out there what's your experience with the blood tests that are available that are starting to you're hearing a little bit more about them now yeah um on my own personal herd i i use the blood test exclusively and that's just because i can i think it's minimal stress on those cows um you can run them through you're probably doing some other operation with those cows anyway we can tail bleed that cow with minimal effort with little minimal discomfort discomfort to the cow 
The only issue is there's a lag time. So if we were preg testing at the shoot, we could sort those cows immediately as they went through the shoot. The problem with this is you've got to, uh, to take the blood sample, mail it off, get the analysis, and then you're looking at about a, a week lag time uh, to getting the, the response back or the information back. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a very accurate mm-hmm. test. Uh, I think it's I've, – I've used it a lot just because it's actually – it's a good management tool. I trust it. I think it's very little stress on, I especially like doing it with uh, replacement heifers uh, just because it's minimal stress on those heifers and uh, a real accurate response. So it is an option to think about, especially say you, you choose a year where you are having to wean early. Maybe you're weaning in August or uh, early, you know, mm-hmm. uh, something, some type of early weaning program. It's a great tool to use in those situations because you can detect as early as 28 days with very high accuracy. Yeah. Well, not, you kind of answer my next question when they're at the very end of your response there. What's, what's the time frame that how, how soon can you tell this? And I, that's kind of what I was aware of is around that 28 day period, which like you say, f- uh, from a management standpoint is, is quite beneficial. Heifers replacement heifers like you said is probably one of the easiest ways because they don't have a calf on them so when you go out to sort those off it's easy to pull the he- those those opens out without really a big disturbance and messing with any calf so uh it, good information there on the on the blood test deal uh real quickly from a from just doing it uh and and getting it done time frame of the shoot work there what's that like on the blood test so uh, cost wise it's two dollars and fifty cents per sample for the analysis, and then if you figure your your uh, tubes and shipping, you're probably looking at about three bucks per head uh, to do it. Uh, timeline, uh, you know, uh, you can tail bleed as fast as you can uh, preg test, or maybe faster. So, just working the cattle through the shoot, it's not that it's not that bad. And then uh, by the time you mail it off, uh, two days shipping, two days to get the analysis, and then an email back. You're looking at probably. Uh, four to five days to get the information back on your operation. You bet. And you need to have good tag numbers in your cattle. <laughs> yeah. That's a, so that's an interesting thing is it? it's a, it's a almost, almost indirectly a great tool for a management standpoint, because if you're sending a tube in, you better have an ear tag so yeah. you can find her later <laughs> yeah. on. And it actually gives you a pretty good inventory number uh, as well. So uh, it's actually kind of indirectly a good uh, management reminder as you do it. You bet. Well, Dr. Paisley, uh, just before we go here, just some final comments from you about this fall time of the year that we all as ranchers go through. And just the from a management standpoint, BQA standpoint that you represent, just some final thoughts. Yeah, I think weaning is obviously, we think about the critical control points we have on our herd. Weaning is probably number one, right? It's an important aspect to think about. It's a definitely a management opportunity not only for the calves, but for our cow herd as well. So uh, weaning is an important date for us. It's an important uh, period of time in our production cycle. So, you know, thinking and doing your homework ahead of time, whether it's addressing your mineral needs and, and mineral supplementation prior to weaning, uh, thinking about your preconditioning program and what vaccines you want to do use, working with your local veterinarian and coming up with a vaccination plan is pretty critical. And then I, as, as we mentioned before, uh, thinking about marketing and and having that as a part of the plan and and as marketing as a part of the decision making process is important as well. So 
doing your homework. That's kind of what we say yeah. time and time again, but uh, uh, trying to do some of these things ahead of time, reduce the stress at the time of weaning. And then uh, think about uh, as you get those calves weaned, you know, maximizing your marketing, not only of the calves, but of those cows as well once you've got them weaned. All right. Well, again, Dr. Paisley, I appreciate you taking the time here today to join us on the Working Ranch Radio Show. You bet. And I appreciate the opportunity and listen to your program regularly. (laughs) So uh, you're doing a great job. We appreciate it. You bet. Again, Dr. Steve Paisley has been my guest here today as we talk about uh, everything from preconditioning, weaning to fall cow work, all of that combined. It is that time of the year. And uh, as he said, too, it's a good time of the year to make some management decisions and utilize that time frame in the corrals to get some of that work done. So uh, appreciate him joining us on our program here today. Well, stay with us when we come back. Meteorologist Don Day joins us as we take a look Look at our long-term weather and he'll answer that question as to what is the purpose meteorologically for hurricanes out in the ocean. We'll talk about it when we come back after this. For commercial cow-calf producers, crossbreeding with Galvay and Balancer is the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. Galvay and Balancer females offer maternal superiority through increased fertility, greater longevity, and more pounds of calf weaned per cow exposed. In the feed yard, Balancer cattle can offer increased performance, improve feed efficiency, and have excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds, make the grade, and deliver the value. Galvey and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to galvey.org. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we're joined now by meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And uh, Don, this time of the year, it's always hard to to really knuckle down on just exactly what's going to happen right away, although you know that there is something in the works. And when we look at about this third week of September, we see something potentially happen. You're just not sure the intensity of it yet. Yeah, we're, we're getting into that time of year where the jet stream is getting more active. You start to see stronger systems come out of those higher latitudes and push further south. And we're likely going to see that here in the week ahead with the western half of the country getting some colder weather, some good chances of rain showers and thunderstorms and even some high country snow in the central and northern Rockies. But it could be a week of contrast, Justin, as that colder weather dives into the western and northern parts of the United States, there could be a lot of heat pushed ahead of it. So we could be looking at some very warm September weather in the Corn Belt, the Great Lakes, and a good part of the eastern part of the country, while the west is exactly the opposite. And as you change seasons, as the weather patterns change, as the seasons change, you can get these big swings. You can get a lot of, you know, we call it weather whiplash, where you kind of go from one extreme to the other. And we saw that in this past week. Over the past week, we saw some colder weather. We saw some of the first snows in some of the northern Rockies, while some parts of the eastern United States were very warm. And we may see that pattern repeat itself. Mm -hmm. Here in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a little bit more hurricane activity after getting through the month of August with nothing taking place. We've seen some in the Atlantic, also off the coast of the Baja coast of Mexico, and it has affected our weather across the country the last couple of weeks. But last week, I was listening to one your podcast and I thought it was interesting to hear your uh, explanation of the purpose of hurricanes as a sort of an equilibrium purpose out there when it comes to the the water temperatures so I wanted to have you explain that a little bit 
Yeah. In fact, you know, one reason that hurricanes and, and low pressure systems and storms develop is, is to try to reach equilibrium. That's what the atmosphere is trying to do all the time. As the earth has warm spots and cold spots and dry spots and wet spots, we get these storms to form. And, and what they do is they serve a purpose. They serve a purpose to release energy, try to get the atmosphere back into equilibrium. Of course, the equilibrium never happens, but Mother Nature keeps trying. And one reason we have tropical storms and hurricanes is that it happens during the warmest time of the year near the equator and in the tropics. And there's a big contrast between that heat near the equator and the colder conditions up to the north. So they, what they do is the sea surface temperatures as they get warmer, hurricanes, when they form, actually help regulate sea surface temperature patterns by the rainfall and the clouds and the wind, it actually cools off parts of the oceans that used to be really warm. So you get more and more hurricanes, it actually cools things off a little bit. So hurricanes serve a purpose. They serve a purpose to try to bring equilibrium to the atmosphere. The problem is, is that the contrast between those very warm water temperatures near the equator and those cooler water temperatures in the north generate these very large storms that can be quite destructive. Mm -hmm. And speaking of water temperatures, real quick to kind of check in, because we still see uh, La Nina there, those cooler waters uh, along the equator still there. And then uh, in contrary to that, warmer waters up off the coast of Alaska. Yeah, it's interesting. When you look at the sea surface temperature anomalies across the globe, we still have this very large patch of cooler than average water near the equator in the Pacific. That's La Nina, and it's still holding firm. Uh, like the modeling was suggesting it was going to be through the fall. But we're also seeing a warming trend in sea surface temperatures across the North Pacific. And what that does tend to lead to is that tends to lead to some stronger storm formation later on uh, in the fall and into early winter. If we continue to see that contrast between the colder near the equator and the warmer temperatures up in those higher latitudes. So there's there's a lot of moving parts, and, and it's going to play a really big role in how the winter goes, Justin, mm-hmm. because as we expect La Nina to fade, as we get into January timeframe around the first of the year, if we see those warmer temperatures in the North Pacific continuing, that actually is a signal for cold for the lower 48 states. When you have the colder conditions, near the equator and those warmer temperatures up further north. All right. Well, we'll continue to watch and see how that develops. And of course, at some point here, we're going to need to schedule uh, or dedicate a full show to just our weather outlook for the late fall and winter of 2023. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about in that regard. All right. Well, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thank you. And again, that was meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And like we were talking about just moments ago, I will let you know, kind of give you a heads up, plenty of weeks ahead. Notice when we plan to schedule that uh, show entirely dedicated to our long-term weather outlook for the winter months of 2022, 23, and into the spring of 23 as well. What they're tracking, that's very useful information for us, of course, here in agriculture. By the way, if you'd like to follow Don Day on a daily basis, his daily weather video podcast, you can go to his website at dayweather.com. We'll stay with us when we come back. I'll give you an idea of what we're going to be working on for upcoming shows when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Dayweather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Dayweather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. Well, as we head back to the barn on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show, I want to reiterate a little bit of what I talked about last week when we were closing the show out about the latest issue of Working Ranch Magazine. is quite phenomenal. I do want to point out to one uh, particular articles here as we close out our show today, and that is on the pros and cons of retained ownership feeding. Now, it's an article written by Burt Rutherford, but you know that really is an issue that um, a lot of folks hear about it and maybe have never dabbled in it or messed with it at all and, and not certain where to even begin on that process. And so I think this article does a good job of spelling out the pros and the cons of retained ownership. So t- take a look for yourself. It's in the latest issue of Working Ranch Magazine. It starts on page 78. Well, before we head out here today, I want to let you know also continuing to work on some upcoming future shows here that I hope to bring to you. Steve Cody, who is uh, kind of a, a known out there for low stress cattle management, specifically in placing cattle on large allotments. He's going to be joining us for about a three part series that I'm excited to bring to you. In addition, we're also working on an interview where we can talk about solar pumps for livestock wells or watering out of our reservoirs. Yeah, it's kind of something that's definitely becoming more and more useful for us out here in the country. Well, before we go, I do want to thank our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show, Gelvy Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to their website at gelvy.org. And Zoetis, visit inheritprogress.com to request a call with a rep and ask about free TSUs to get you started. And speaking of Zoetis, you know, it's the little things that could derail progress, but your herd can be covered. Visit getlessparasites.com for solutions from Zoetis. Also, the American Akaushi Association. Experience the difference at akaushi.com. And finally, Biozyme. It is weaning time. So for protection and recovery, think Vita Charge by Biozyme. For more information, visit vitafirm.com forward slash Vita dash charge. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. Now, if you'd like to get a hold of me, please don't be afraid to reach out and let me know if you have questions about the show or if you have topics you'd like us to cover my phone number 307-363-COWS or my email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com now you can also find me on social media as well facebook instagram my handle there is justinmills.yocowboy thanks again for joining us we'll be right here same time same place next week or on your favorite podcast provider i'm your host justin mills and until next time keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.